This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with you. All right, Greg, we're going to play some true or false from a lot I like of games. Yeah, a lot of the listeners to the podcast, a lot of people on Twitter were uh, tweeting at you true or false questions. They want your answers. Let's start with the biggest question of all. And of course, I'm talking about Cam Newton. Cam Newton, ready to be the quarterback for this team. True or false? False. As of today, it's false. And I wrote a column this weekend for bostonsportsjournal.com that basically laid out, and, and I'm talking to different people, both around the team and also around the league, about where Cam is. And there's three things that need to go on, Nick, and it needs to go on now, and it needs to go on every day, much of the day, until the season kicks off. And number one, it's Cam has to lose weight. He can't he can't play at 250 anymore. He's not a young buck. Uh, we saw, it, you know, I thought this, but it was confirmed by a couple of NFL people that I I talked to and I trust. They said that uh, Cam's he- uh, legs got heavier as the season went on. And yeah. he didn't run as much. He wasn't as, as elusive. And the big thing is, not only that, but your legs are everything when you throw the ball. If you don't have your legs, which he did earlier in the season, he threw the ball a little bit better. If you don't have your legs, then you have nothing as far as power and things like that, and also just accuracy. If you don't have your legs, then you have to uh, compensate your upper body, and things just get all out of whack. And that's what happened with Cam last year. So, And Cam, I will give him credit on the I Am Athlete podcast. He did say I think he was trying to lose 10 pounds. I'd go less. I think he needs to be at 230, 235. I think that gives him a better chance to be sustainable. He doesn't he doesn't need to be 250 to run over linebackers anymore. There aren't that many linebackers that are 250, and he shouldn't be in the business at his age, going to be 32 of plowing those guys over. So there's that. There is um he has to get into he he has to he has to get with a throwing coach. And I hope he's working with one, but he better be working on one that works on his mechanics all the time, every day. Uh, get back to where he was at the beginning of last season. Get it out of his system because he needs to learn how to just be able to flick the ball 10 yards instead of making a whole body convulsion just to get the ball out. And the last <laughs> thing, and it's the biggest thing, Nick, and we've talked about it, I think, is he needs he needs express 24-hour premium tutoring on the Patriots playbook and what goes on as far as, all right, if the defense does this, then I can change to this, and what's my audible, and what's my check? Because I know everybody's all excited about Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, and you know we, you can also factor in the athletic fullbacks that they've wanted to have for two years. Dan um, Vitale is coming back, supposedly. Yep. Um, and also they drafted Dalton Keene to play that position because there's a point to that. They want to be more like the 49ers, with use check. And so it's all nice and dandy that they have two tight ends and an athletic fullback. And people are absolutely right to say the benefit of that is you get matchup issues where, all right, if it's safeties, then we're just going to run over them. If they're linebackers, then we're just going to run past them. We're going to throw the ball. That is great and all, but it doesn't mean Jack, if you don't have a quarterback who can't see the defense, see what's going on, check to the right play and take advantage of the defense. And last year, Cam wasn't even close to that. So unless all those things happen and he's not there at this point, 
he is not ready to be the starting quarterback for the for the Patriots. Do I think he can get there and be better? Yeah, but we'll have to see. There's a lot of boxes to check, so to speak. I mean, you yep. just you really just went down the list of three or four. And we're not just talking about small things. Those are significant things that have to improve. His body, you know, the the physical aspect of it, the mental aspect of it. And he's going to make sure that everything is in line for him to hit his ceiling because that's what this team is going to need. They need a good Cam Newton if he's going to be the guy. They can't have the Cam that they saw last year. Okay, so if Cam is not ready to be the quarterback for this team right now, Let's bring up one of your favorites. We've talked about this man plenty of times on this podcast. True or false, Greg, the ship has sailed on Jimmy G. That's a really good one. Uh, true or false, whether the ship has sailed. I'm going to say, I'm going to say false. I, I I don't think it's over. I don't think the door is completely closed, Nick. I still he will always be Plan A for the Patriots as long as they think that there's a chance to get him. That there's a chance that Kyle Shanahan gets impetuous and and restless and says, you know, we have a Super Bowl caliber team. I can't afford to wait for Jimmy and his injuries and things like that. Excuse me. I'm moving on somehow. Sam Darnold, what have you? Maybe a quarterback in the draft. I don't know. But the light is still on. I don't think they've completely put Jimmy in their rearview mirror, but it's it's getting he's getting long in the distance. I'll put it that way. <laughs> he, he's getting further and further smaller, off. Smaller, smaller Jimmy. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, Jimmy. Bye. He's just, you know, soon enough he might be totally out. All right. Another question that our lovely listeners have and, and Twitter followers for you. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, so a lot of people over the past few days, a lot of the free agents that sign with the Patriots, they've come out, they have expressed their love about Bill Belichick. Now, I don't know what we were expecting. Uh, you know, I'd be shocked if he, they were asked, oh, so do you like the idea of playing for Belichick? And they go, oh, no, I hate it. Then, then why did you sign? You obviously <laughs> right. have to like the idea to begin with. But true or false, Greg, Patriots free agents really believe that Belichick and the Patriots brand was a huge selling point. Uh, I'm going to say false a little bit. I mean, I do, I, I do think that Belichick and the Patriots brand is a selling point, and th- th- there's no question in my mind. And I thought that uh, I, I forget which guy it was yesterday. I think it was Kendrick Bourne, or you know, all of them. I mean, they all pretty much said the same thing. Yeah. But they talked about Belichick putting players in the right position, and. Absolutely. I mean, that is a hundred percent fact that if you say you've been, you know, sort of underutilized, maybe our Kendrick Bourne or Jalen Mills hasn't really, you know, found a meaningful role on your team, you know, go to New England and Bill will know very shortly after you hit the practice field exactly what you can and can't do. And he will make sure you're doing a lot of the things that you can do and very rarely the things that you can't do. And so that raises your profile and makes you more effective and appealing to the NFL at large. Um, I also think the Patriots six Super Bowl titles. That's nothing to sniff at. You know, one year is not going to raise 20 years of just greatness and constantly in the final four and Super Bowls and things like that, even without Brady. But look, at the end of the day, did all of that stuff really factor into them signing with the Patriots? No, it was the Patriots stepping up very early with contracts. A lot of the contracts that were probably over 
what those players expected, or at least a little. Not that I care. It's not my money. Um, <laughs> and I think that's really the reason. And if you needed a poster child for that, it's Hunter Henry, who said, you know, before free agency, I want to get paid, but I also want to get good, go and play for a good quarterback. And he signs with the Patriots with Cam Newton, who was one of the worst quarterbacks last year. And I love the quote, and I pulled this out. I put it in my story. Um, but I loved when Hunter Henry was like, are you excited to play with Cam Newton? And he's like, very excited. Or he said, I am. I am very excited. And I equated that to, that's pretty much the same answer I give to my wife when she's like, are you excited to go to the school function tonight? <laughs> yeah, very. I am. I am. I am. Very, very, very. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, though. Kendrick Bourne and some others, they've talked about Cam. And Love that kid. I think this is just another reminder, and we've said this before, Greg. It doesn't matter how I feel or you feel about Cam. doesn't matter how any listeners feel about Cam. If that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, it's the truth. What really matters is the guys that are coming in. And if Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, listen, they don't have to be in love with Cam Newton. They don't have to believe that he's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or Mahomes or any of those guys. But if they feel like he can compete and that he's good and they believe in him, that's all that matters. And I do think a good number of these guys, they do actually still believe in Cam and think he can be a starting quarterback. And yep. hey, if that's what they feel and that's how they're thinking, then that's good. And that's important for this team to move forward if Cam does end up being the guy, whether he was plan A or not. If he's the dude, you're going to have the other guys in that locker room having some belief that he can get it done. Uh, Hunter Henry, you, you just you just talked about that one. So we'll skip ahead about his belief in Cam Newton. Uh, you just gave us your little nugget on that. So let's go to David Andrews. True or false, Greg? David Andrews took a hometown discount. Completely false. This was uh, and I and and I love David, and I think he's a great player, and I'm glad the Patriots have him back, and they are a much better team with hit at him at center than than Ted Karras. Agree. But this was a typical situation in free agency that you see, where a player hits the market for for the first time. And perhaps his agent um, either mis misjudges the market or is afraid to level with the player. Maybe the player doesn't want to hear it. But let's just say David Andrews was out there asking for top of the market, center, center top of the market. Yep. Um, you know, you're talking over $10 million a year. That's what he wanted. That's what led to him coming out or reports coming out that, uh, he is going to move on and look at other options that he's done negotiating with the Patriots, basically sayonara. The Patriots wouldn't budge. They said, this is our number. We love you. This is our number. Uh, we're not going to budge off it. David wanted more. He thought he could get more elsewhere. Suddenly the other centers on the, on the market, uh, the Rodney Hudson thing probably threw a curveball at them being traded from the Raiders to the Cardinals. Um, Alex Mack getting locked up with the 49ers. And all of a sudden, when the Dolphins said, you know, who were negotiating with Andrews, they said, you know what? Matt Skura, a guy who can't even uh, shotgun snap. He can't snap the ball. He blew blew the Ravens game against the Patriots with his snaps. (laughs) He did. He He lost the Ravens games. (laughs) The Ravens wanted nothing to do with them. And the Dolphins were like, yeah, we'd rather have that on a cheaper deal. So – Andrews was really left with no market. He went back to the Patriots and we saw what he ended up with, which wasn't much. It was far, far, far beyond what his initial asking price. And if you listen to this podcast, which you are listening now means you likely did before. If not, 
thank you. Welcome aboard. Greg and I love all of you. But if you were listening to this podcast during free agency last week, Greg was one of the only guys, if not the only guy out there saying this Andrew stuff is not dead. Everybody else out there was posting and tweeting and saying it's over and he's moving on. Even I tweeted that he was moving on until I spoke with you on the podcast and you told everybody, pump your brakes. The Andrews Patriots thing, it's not dead. It's not settled yet. Give it some time. He might come back. And that's precisely what happened. And it it reminds me of the Juju Smith-Schuster thing in Pittsburgh. Very similar. He's posting things and and everybody thinks he's gone and he's leaving. Then the wide receiver market slowly develops. I think he realizes he's not going to get this multi-year big money deal. So he takes Mm -hmm. the one-year deal to go back to Pittsburgh to be the number one guy instead of going to Kansas City and being lost with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey or going to the Ravens, a team that's going to run the football 50 times. He's going to try to get that payday eventually. Everybody thought Juju was gone from Pittsburgh. He came back. Everybody thought Andrews was gone from New England. He comes back. The common theme here, the narrative is you think you're worth more than you are in this market, and you found out the brutal reality of the situation, and you had to circle back and go back to a place where you were comfortable. Uh, Let's go to Lawrence Guy because he's the next on the list. And I think it's like when Brian Flores sees a Patriots defender on the market. I saw your tweet, your gif. Yeah, the big who's, baby. Who's that licking, guy? Big yeah. baby, yeah. Yeah, just licking them chops. Brian, like Flor- Flores <laughs> is sitting in some kind of like, you know, Bill Belichick knockoff labyrinth somewhere. And he's like, oh, yes. Once Lawrence Guy becomes available, we'll all, we're going to be all over that. I have, There's no doubt about it. Uh, Lawrence Guy, true or false, Greg Bedard won't be back. This one's tough, Nick. This one's tough for me. I am going to say, oh, I'm going to say it's true. He's not going to be back. Oh. And this pains me. Tooney, now Guy. I think that, uh, and, and there really hasn't been out there very much. I think the Bucks are pretty strong suitors for Lawrence Guy. And we could see a <laughs> Sue Guy switch. I was going to ask you about that. Does that mean Indomitian Sue is out in Tampa if Guy is in? Uh, probably they could very now I caution the Patriots with this and you know if Bill's listening and of course he's listening to this he's very (laughs) technologically advanced you know I'm sure he's got it synced up in his car you know uh, I'm I'm sure the clock is all messed up from daylight savings time you know but uh, I'm sure he's listening to this on the way home just I would caution them and say look remember last year what you did when you said you know what we can do a little bit better than Danny Shelton and we're going to let him go, and we're going to sign Bo Allen. And that did not work out well. Stay with what you know. You know, Sue might be a little bit better. He might be a little bit cheaper. But Lawrence Guy has been phenomenal for this team. As soon as he got here, one of Bill Belichick's best free agent signings uh, and during his tenure here with the Patriots. Um, just just keep it the way it is. Don't swap him out. I mean, if it, if push comes to shove – Bring Guy back. But I think at the end of the day, I think Guy either signs with the Bucks or the Dolphins, and he's not here anymore. Just the, between the, the Anderson move and also uh, I don't even know the guy's name that they signed from the Packers because I had never heard, heard of him before. Oh, Montrevious Adams or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, something like that. Uh, those two picks sort of give them – they solidify them a little bit, and plus I think they'll find a big body in the draft. I would take Guy over Sue every day of the week, twice on Sunday. See what I did there. Write it down. And I would also say, uh, you know, I'll never forget 
when the Patriots were getting ready to play the Rams a few years ago in the Super Bowl, the locker room video that came out, and part of that video was the Patriots offensive line finding out that the Rams were going to be the team they were playing. And the reaction immediately from the offensive lineman, I don't know if it was Cannon or it was Mason, one of those guys, like the, the immediate reaction was like, Sue's going to take plays off. Like they, they, they just, they, they, they yep. felt like Sue was going to take some plays off. And I, I feel like Lawrence guy is not one of those players nope. that takes plays off. I, I would, I would love to see guy back. Uh, yep. Chase Winovich, another one of your favorites on this defense. True or false, Wino still has a significant role on this team. Not just role on this nope, team, but a significant role. False, not a significant role. I think he does still have a role. I think he's a guy. Look, they got Matthew Judon and they got Kyle Van Oy back. Both of them are edge guys. Yes, you could, in theory, kick Matt Judon inside you're going to have, you could have a bunch of, you know, the amoeba, a bunch of guys walking around, things like that. Chase Winovich could be in that package. But Kyle Van Noy and Matthew Judon are two elite edge defenders, both pass rush and against the run. Winovich yeah. hasn't come close. If they thought he had that potential, one of them wouldn't be here. They are. Now he's relegated, like, in perpetuity to sub-rusher role. I think the Patriots maybe try to showcase him in preseason training camp, what have you, maybe see if somebody is willing to give them maybe a second round, third round pick for Winovich at some point. But as of right now, as of today, without injuries, he has a reduced role and is just a role player on this team. I remember months ago when we talked about Bill Belichick, you mentioned it, it always kind of stuck in your head about, I don't know which coach it was, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, one of the guys that he's really close with in the college game. They said something along the lines. I think it was Saban. It said something. It was Urban. About oh, that. okay. It was Urban. All right. So you got Urban Meyer coming out and saying, you know, Belichick, he just enjoys coaching the guys that he wants to coach now at this point in his career. Uh, that begs the question, true or false, from one of the listeners. Belichick has finally given up his mantra to coach only guys he wants to coach. It's a great question. I was actually thinking about writing a column on this, is that I think – Part of this whole course correction this offseason, Nick, which, you know, had to do with Bill being realistic about where the where the roster was not a very good pipeline of young talent coming. He basically had to import about a three year window of talent in flux. And I think he did a great job at it. But I think also part of this reckoning was him being like, you know what? Me deciding to do that four or five years ago. Not wise. Nope. Not good. Not a good way to build a talented roster. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry about that. I kind of aired a little bit. Kind of went the wrong way a little bit. Some of us tried to help him with that the past couple of years, saying like, "Do we really need all these old guys on the roster? We couldn't get away with a younger guy here and there and cheaper." Um, but you know, everybody learns their lessons the hard way, and I think Bill learned a lesson that. You know, yes, there's something about coachability and likability and things about that. But at the end of the day, you still need talent and you still need to look for that mix of, you know, guys who you you, you want to coach and guys who are going to win you games. And they, they, they started going down the wrong way. I think this was a course correction in that. And I think, Bill, even though I will say this, Nick, other than Judon, who you hear some checkered things about him out of Baltimore, yeah, all these other guys I've asked around on all of them. 
Sterling reports back on all these guys. And, and just from the guys, I haven't listened to the guys today, um, but I know the guys from the first day, I listened to all of them. Kendrick Bourne, uh, Hunter Henry, Henry Anderson. Um, there was one more. Oh, Jalen Mills. Those guys all sound like Patriots to me. I mean, Anderson sounds like the most boring guy in the room and he should probably <laughs> go be an accountant. Um, yeah. But I want him to gapping and I think he'll do it and he won't complain about it and he'll do it. And Jalen Mills is just like, he's like Patrick Chung on steroids. He loves the yap, swag, talk trash, all that stuff. Yell about effing Bill Belichick and all this stuff. Like, and, and Kendrick Bourne, that dude, you could just, he lights up a zoom, forget about lights up a room. He lights up a zoom and you're like, I want to play with this guy. And the 49ers did not want to lose him. The 49, uh, the Raiders did not want to lose Aguilar. Um, I, so I think, I think he's done a good job of correcting it, but he also did get guys that he's going to want to coach. Yeah. And I wasn't aware of his interest in Kendrick Bourne a number of times. I think Ian Rappaport tweeted out, he, he tried to acquire Bourne or something like that two times beforehand was unable to acquire him. And as soon as he becomes a free agent, I don't know how many people had him on their lists, but as soon as he became a free agent, there's Belichick swooping in. So obviously Belichick is a big fan of Kendrick Bourne. We'll see if it works out for him, but it's it's rather apparent that Belichick's kind of had him in the crosshairs for a number of years now, and hopefully it pays off for him and the team. Uh, there is a draft question here, but before I get to that, I had two of my own questions uh, sure. based on of some news today, Greg. The first one is, true or false, Trent Brown's contract would lead you to believe that he starts at left tackle this year? Uh, I'm actually going to go indifferent on that. I don't, I, I would just say false. I don't think it, I don't think it matters. I think it's starting tackle money. So I guess that's, I guess my answer would be false. Um, six and a half million guaranteed up to, you know, and he has a realistic chance to earn 10, 11 million dollars. Yeah, that's big money. It's more than Isaiah win. I don't think that the, the contract is not indicative to me on what it can be, because even if you're a damn good right tackle, you're still getting paid also. Right. All right. So the second one, before I get to the draft question, the second one, Marcus Mariota, you told us several weeks ago, one of the problems with Mariota not getting traded was he was unwilling to move on his contract. As we now know, earlier today, it was reported he finally relented and moved on the contract. Does that make him more available in your eyes? And if he is more available because of that contract now, did that ship sail, to use a term from earlier in this podcast, is the Mariota ship sailed on out? Because New England, as you have also mentioned, kind of questioned leadership and whether or not he was an alpha. Uh, I would say that the ship sailing on Mariota is likely true. I will say, Nick, um, and, and I haven't been online in the last couple hours, so I don't know if this has emerged. I'd be very interested, and actually I would be very surprised if as part of his deal here that Mariota was not given a no-trade clause. Hmm. Um, that would seem to be a fair trade-off to me. He'd be like, okay, I want to stay. I like this offense. I want to be developed because I really think that's what I think he looked around and he didn't love the other scenarios or that he might encounter yep. and sort of wanted to stay. But dropping my salary cap like that to stay, I'd want something else in return. And I'd be like, I want a no trade clause so I control 
you know, we get to the trade deadline or there's an injury in training camp or something like that, the Raiders do now have a commodity or the Patriots can't find a quarterback, either Garoppolo or in the draft or what have you. Um, and before training camp, the, the Raiders now at that price do have a commodity. Um, if I were Mariota, I would want control on where they could send me. Um, so I'll be interested to see if that ever comes out, whether he does have that. I just, I, I just never thought that the, the, the Patriots were big Mariota people, but perhaps at this price, I think, I think it ups the chances. I still think it's unlikely. All right, here's the uh, draft question from the listeners. Uh, true or false, quarterbacks will go on the first four picks of the draft as Mel Kuyper's latest mock has it. True, and I think that the fifth pick could be in the same area or in the top ten. Um, I, I think people are underestimating how people are thirsty for quarterbacks, especially you know among that group in the, in the top. I mean, you have – um, we, we know that we know the Jaguars, the jets are going to take Zach, Zach Wilson. They can't, they can't pass on them. What they do with Darnold after that, I'm not sure. Uh, I think the, the, the Falcons need to take a younger one. Yep. Matt Ryan is not long for this team. Somebody, the Panthers are like thirsty, dry, thirsty for a quarterback. Um, they're probably going to leap up and take somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Trey Lance. Um, and there are other, the 49ers could say, we want our next guy and jump up. Like, I think, I think quarterbacks are going to go very quickly in this draft. And I wouldn't be surprised if all five are gone in the top 10. Now, could the, will, will the Patriots get into that mix? I highly doubt it. I don't rule it out, but I'd say it's much more likely that the Patriots get their next quarterback trading into the bottom of the first, or maybe the top of the second round. Interesting. And that's something that we've talked about before. A lot of people, including Kuyper, they've got Mac Jones going to New England at 15. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw the numbers or not, Greg, but, you know, Jones had his his pro day today. And as far as the athletic numbers, which is one of the things that people always harp on with Mac Jones, yeah. as far as the athletic numbers, it wasn't terrible. I mean, he, he wasn't a supreme athlete, but a lot of these numbers, the 40-yard the dash, the vertical, those kinds of things, uh, he actually measured better than people expected him to. And, and when you compare him to some other guys, you might be surprised uh, how close his numbers are athletically to some guys that you watch and you would believe are much more athletic than Jones. I do wonder if that is going to bump up his value even more. And now, as you're saying, you know, the top four or five guys, the top five guys could be gone all by pick nine. You know, Denver's at nine. Carolina's yep. there at eight. I want to know what the Lions are thinking. You know, the Lions at yep. seven, are they sold on Jared Goff? Do they think if, you know, if they keep Goff and he doesn't work out and they don't draft a quarterback in this draft, do they kick themselves in the ass because of it? There's a lot of fascinating storylines in the top 10 or 11 picks, which will directly affect the Patriots and what they do. Uh, the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Uh, check us out over at BSJ, 11 cents a day on the annual plan. A membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, this is related to the Cam Newton column that you have. Uh, Para One asks you, Greg. Well, first he says thanks. Thanks, Greg. 
great insight and analysis. That's why we subscribe to BSJ. Uh, but it's nearly April, and if all the improvements needed, both mental and physical, are not already being worked on, is the time now too short to get them all accomplished between now and the start of the season? So if he hasn't figured out, Cam, if he hasn't figured it out mentally or physically and or physically by now, does he have enough time before kickoff this season to figure it out? It needs to start pretty quick if it hasn't. Now, look, we see his workout videos. We see some of his throwing videos and and, and what have you. Um, but yeah, the other stuff is a lot more important to me. And I just don't know if he's – I don't know if he's putting in that work. I haven't heard one way or the other. The coaches can't have a lot of contact with those guys at this point. I think this is where a lot of the CBA stuff from the last go-round really hurt some of these guys that – you know, I remember Mike McCarthy always had like a, a, a quarterback camp uh, very, I think in like April or something like that, where the guys would come in for like three or four days and really, you know, work on their mechanics and work on the finer points of the games like that. And I think it was part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers developed so much. And, uh, you know, I I just have my doubts that Cam is working on the right things. I mean, I, I really, Nick, I really, if I see another – you know, Instagram video, and it's not just Cam. <laughs> Stidham's doing it too. Other quarterbacks are doing it too. Of these guys running deep routes on air against nobody and multiple cuts and crap like that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my head through a wall. Like that's not what the Patriots offense is about. Like, let me see some speed outs. Let me see some, you know, timing routes on slants and this and that. Like seam routes to the tight ends and things like that. Like, give me like real routes, real action going on bring some defensive backs in you know you, you know put cam on a clock and put people with uh big things in front of his face so he can't throw like i cam needs to get going because if he just thinks whatever he's done for the rest of his career is going to be good enough to go to the next level in this offense and rely on what they've brought in to lift him up he is sorely mistaken and he is not long for being patriots quarterback Greg Bedard not wowed by these shorts and t-shirt videos on your local <laughs> underwear Olympics. He's, he's not a, he's not all bullish on those kinds of videos. Uh, his name is Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Make sure you check out BSJ subscribe, rate and review this podcast as well. That's how we continue to do it. And uh, you guys have been great and gals out there last week, some great numbers, especially for free agency. A lot of people watching and listening we thank you all for that. Continue to do it. We'll continue to pump out the content. Till next time, be good, be safe, and be healthy.